Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Morning. Morning. This morning we're going to be continuing our little mini-series that we've been doing over these last few weeks. This mini-series called Stand, Why Prayer is Powerful. We've been looking at this, the importance of prayer. And today's the final week of this mini-series. And we've looked so far, the first week, two weeks ago, we looked at standing alongside others in prayer. And then last week, uh, Simon looked at standing in the gap, looked at intercession, which Simon described as calling on God for his kingdom to break through on earth. And this morning, we're going to be finishing this series by looking at what it means and what it looks like for us to stand up in prayer for the oppressed, the hurting and the marginalised. Stand up in prayer. I once went to a festival called Spring Harvest. I don't know who's been to Spring Harvest before. And the first sermon of the festival was one that I will never, ever forget. And it's because it opened with one of the best opening lines to a preach that I have ever heard. And I'm going to quote this to you, but I'm going to give you a slightly more PG version of it. And I'm going to update the statistics. This was the opening line. Right now, 1.8 billion people are living under the poverty line. Two billion people live in an active conflict area. 2.7 billion women don't have equal work opportunities by law. 2.7, oh no, 650 million women were married off before the age of 18. 49.6 million people are enslaved right now, which is the highest number in history. And then he said this, these statistics make me feel like crap. Although he used a slightly more intense word. And then he said, what frustrates me just as much as those statistics is there are many people in this room more angry that I just used that word on stage than you are about the statistics I just read. When I heard that, I felt immensely challenged. When I heard that, the only thing that I'd noticed at the end of him saying all this, the only thing I'd noticed is he just used the S word on stage. I can't believe it that he just did this at the start of this festival. What is he doing? And then he said that line that there are people in this room more angry about the word just used than all those statistics that I just said. I don't remember anything else about that talk, but I remember feeling massively challenged by that opening. 
It can be so easy for us to live our lives in our bubbles, to live the lives of the things that we see in front of us, focused on the here and now, focused on the things that we can see, on the things that we are doing. And if we're honest, I know this is true about me anyway, we can be so focused on the now that we struggle to even have empathy or anger for these statistics. We're so focused on our lives that we struggle to feel empathy for the oppressed, the hurting, and the marginalised. And I think there's equally a struggle for us that these numbers seem so big. I'm talking about billions of people that are oppressed, that are hurting, that are marginalised. And we feel like there's nothing that we can do about it. The numbers are so big. It doesn't seem like there's a solution anywhere. There's nothing I can do about it. This morning, I want to look a little bit at what is our role. What is our role? How can we be a people that stand up for justice and for mercy? And as we go about asking this question, we need reminding that God's heart is for the oppressed, the hurting, the poor, the unspoken for, the silenced. If you spend much time on social media, my favourite social media is Twitter, and I spend a lot of time on Twitter. But one thing I hate about Twitter is this odd trend that's been happening over the last five years or so. What started to happen is when someone posts anything about justice or equality or even basic human rights, you're almost guaranteed to see someone responding to that tweet, calling them a woke lefty. That is the response that comes to almost any tweet about justice or about uh, basic human rights. And it's as if this idea of social justice is a modern concept, as if it's for the hippies or for the young people or the political left. But the reality is justice is one of the most ancient concepts Justice is something that has been fought for and spoken about forever. Justice is central to our Bibles. Throughout the Old Testament, there's a word that's often used. The, the word is shalom. And this word shalom is a Hebrew blessing. You'll read often in the Old Testament, people being called to a place of shalom, this Hebrew blessing. And most of us hear the word shalom and we immediately link it to peace, right? We hear shalom and we think peace. But the blessing, this Hebrew blessing, shalom, is actually a a blessing that goes much further than simply peace. To live in God's shalom 
talks of God's kingdom coming in your life. To live in God's shalom is the right, is uh, the wrong turning right. It's the realignment of these things that aren't quite right in the world. To live in shalom is to live in a place without oppression and injustice. It's to live in a place where you see God's kingdom in your life. Shalom is this call to living this place of justice, of freedom and of peace, of God's kingdom coming to you in your life. It's so much more than simply saying peace be with you. It is saying live this free life without oppression, with justice at the heart. And similarly, the Hebrew word for justice is intertwined with the Hebrew word for righteousness. Psalm 97 says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. So when shalom comes, when shalom comes in our life, when his kingdom is near, when his kingdom breaks through, what we see is justice. Justice is the result of God's kingdom breaking through on earth. And we see this, don't we, in Jesus's life. Jesus was passionate about justice. Jesus said the greatest commandment of all when asked by a lawyer, he said the greatest commandment of all is love your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And then our Bibles tell us that Jesus says the second most important is to love people. And sadly, this is just a case of really lazy translation. Our Bibles tell us that Jesus says the second most important thing is to love people. That's absolute rubbish in the original language. Actually, the word that's translated into our Bibles to say second the word is much more accurately translated to like unto, or in other words, or it's the same thing. So Jesus says the most important commandment, he says to the lawyer, is to love God with all your heart. And then he says, it's the same thing as loving other people. He says, not only is it just as important Not only is it of equal importance to love others, but he says to love God and to love people, that's the same thing. Loving God and loving people, that is the greatest commandment. It's not love God first and love people second. It's the same thing, loving God and loving people coming together. And if we have this strong calling to love others, if the greatest commandment of all is to love others as we love God, we have a great calling to seek justice, to seek social justice. Proverbs chapter 31 verses 8 to 9 
says this. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Every single one of us has a mandate on our lives to actively, not passively, to actively seek justice. And one of the great ways we can do that is in our prayer life. Last week, Simon talked about intercession, about standing in the gap between God and people, that in our prayers, we call for God's kingdom to come on earth, for his kingdom to break through. And remember that God's kingdom is this place of justice, a place without oppression, oppression and a place without hurting. So when we pray for justice, when we pray for God's kingdom to come, we can have a confidence that we are praying in line with God's will. Any prayer for justice is a prayer that God's will be done on earth. They are the same thing. God's kingdom is the ending of oppression. God's kingdom is the ending of hurt. God's God's kingdom is justice. So when we pray for his justice to come on earth, we are praying, God, will your will be done on earth? When we pray for the hurting, the oppressed, the poor, the unspoken for, the silenced, the marginalised, we know that we are preaching to the choir. When we say to God, God, will your justice come? We are preaching to the choir. We're asking God of the things of his heart to come on earth. And if you were here last week, you might remember the little graph that Simon put on the screens to help us understand intercession. And I'll just pop it on the screens now. Simon was saying, That when we intercede, we are asking for the things of the kingdom to break through into our situations and our places. We are asking for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. But we know, as the figures I said at the start, and as is so obvious in the world around us. We know that we still live in a place full of oppression, of hurt, of evil. Injustice is evil. Pain is evil. Oppression is evil. We live in a world where Jesus has already won the war, but there's still blood on the streets. We still see these things. We live in the reality of Jesus's victory, yet we wait for the time where Jesus will come again and claim that victory once and for all. We live, as Simon mentioned last week, in the now but not yet. So what that means for us if you follow Jesus, is you have a responsibility to intercede. You have a responsibility to say to God, 
Will your will be done on earth? Will your justice come? Will you break through and end the oppression? Would you end these wars? Will you end the hurting? Will your will be done? And as we stand in intercession, it's almost impossible to intercede for something without asking for justice to come. Because when we ask for his kingdom to come on earth, we are asking for his justice to come on earth. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come. Will you bring peace in Ukraine? This is a prayer asking for God's kingdom. Will you feed the hungry? This is a prayer asking for God's kingdom. So when we pray, will your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are saying, will your kingdom come and will justice break through in these places? And we know that prayer is powerful. It changes things. It's one of the most confusing yet I think, encouraging mysteries of the Christian life. Why has God created a world where prayer is so powerful? It's a mystery that I don't think we'll ever understand until we're face to face with Jesus. Why has God created a world where prayer is so powerful? But we know from the biblical accounts, but also from many of us, our own experiences, that prayer alters and shifts things. So we must pray your kingdom come, your will be done into oppression and justice. We have a mandate to pray for justice. But here's the thing I really want to get through this morning. Here's the thing that I really want to come across this morning. Our mandate does not stop at prayer. Our mandate does not stop at prayer. In fact, prayer and action, they come together. If we want to have a positive impact on justice in this world, I believe there are three steps. The first step is learn about injustice. Find out what is happening. Read about injustice. Listen to podcasts about injustice. Hear what's happening. Learn about the marginalised and the oppressed. Stage two is pray for justice. Intercede for justice. Get on your knees and beg God for justice to come. And stage three is campaign and seek justice. Campaign for and seek justice. Praying is not the final step to seeking justice. We pray and we act. If you don't mind, let me tell you a little parable. There once was a vicar who was asked to pray for everyone who suffers. And one day a hungry beggar came to him and said he was looking for food. The vicar stretched out his hand and placed it on the beggar's shoulder. And he prayed that God would be with him. That his belly would be full of good things. That night the vicar had dinner with his bishop. And the bishop said, how was your day? 
And the vicar got really excited. He said, oh, this is my opportunity to tell you a great story. Today, a hungry beggar came to me and, and uh, I had the opportunity to pray for him. And I prayed that, that uh, God would be with him and I prayed that his belly would be full of good things. And the bishop smiled and turned back to the vicar and said, and did you feed him? The vicar looked perplexed and he shook his head. No, he said, I didn't feed him. To which the bishop smiled and said, then dear brother, your prayer was only halfway finished. See, in this parable, the vicar was only doing what he was told he was supposed to do. He was doing what he thought was the spiritual response to a crisis. He prayed. He prayed that God would be with them and that his belly would be full of food. He was great in giving time to the beggar. And he was great in praying for the beggar, putting his hand on his shoulder and praying for him. But the beggar needed food. The beggar was hungry. And if a hungry person comes to us and we pray for them, but are then unwilling to feed them, that isn't living a prayer-shaped life. We're using prayer instead to dodge action. And that's not what prayer was ever intended for. Prayer is intended to shape the way we live, right? It's intended to be active. It's intended to move us. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 15 to 17 says this. When you spread your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you, even when you offer many prayers. I'm not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. The context behind this passage is super simple. The leaders of Judah were oppressing the poor, or at least they were allowing oppression to take place. Some of them may not have been themselves oppressing the poor, but they were allowing it to take place. They were doing nothing about it. They were part of the problem of oppression. Yet, religiously, they turn to God in prayer. God, will you do this? God, will you sort this out? And God's reply was so simple. No way am I listening to you when you allow the oppression to continue. Notice that God doesn't say to them, stop oppressing. He doesn't say just become a neutral in this situation. Instead, he says, do the opposite. Actively seek justice. Actively defend the oppressed. Take up the cause, or in other words, campaign for the fatherless and plead the case for the widow. God says to Israel and the leaders of Judah, once you start actively seeking justice, then I will start listening to your prayers. 
I don't know about you, but I, I find that really challenging. God says to these people, once you start caring about the things I care about, enough to do something, when you start doing something about the oppression, then I'll start listening to your prayers. I will, not start lis- I will not listen to you, God says, until you start fighting for my cause, my kingdom, for justice. I wonder how many times I've prayed for justice. And God says back, what are you doing about it? What steps are you taking to campaign for justice? Prayer and action go together. Through our prayers, we become conduits of his kingdom. So we pray for justice. And as we pray for it, as we pray for wars to end, poor to be fed, oppression to no longer exist, we need to then be willing for God to use us as a response to our prayer. Maybe we need some braver prayers on justice. Maybe our prayers need to say, give me an opportunity to help the oppressed. Prayer is powerful, but not when it's being used to dodge action. Prayer is most powerful when we partner with God in bringing his kingdom on earth. To remember that God chose to use us, his people, as the hands and feet through the Holy Spirit in us as his hands and feet on earth. God chose through his spirit to partner with us in bringing his kingdom to earth. So prayer might be the first step in fighting for justice, but it's not the final step. We pray as we move into action, in campaigning, in supporting, and in giving ourselves to fight for justice. See, a great recent example for what that has looked like here is when uh, the war in Ukraine started, and so many of you were involved in our response to that. When the war started in Ukraine, we had some really powerful times of prayer that Allah led us in. Real intercessory moments where we prayed for God's kingdom to come, his shalom to come in Ukraine. But after doing that, we didn't then say, well, we've done our bit, now it's God's turn. Have you heard that phrase? We've done our bit, now it's God's turn. That doesn't work when it comes to social justice. God asks us to partner with him. Instead, we said, what has God given to us that we could give to them? And so many of you in this room donated clothes, foods and essentials. So many of you organised those things together and helped send this truck full of things to Ukraine. So many people used their time, their giftings, their resources given by God to support the families who were fleeing from war. Our prayers and our actions in this moment 
went hand in hand. And so many of you in this room were a part of doing that. And that is what it looks like to be a conjurer of God's presence on earth. God's presence, his kingdom brings justice. His kingdom brings justice. And he asks to partner with us as we pray and seek justice, as we pray and seek his kingdom to come. God partners with us in doing something about it. So I guess the challenge for today, let's be a people that pray for the hurting, the oppressed, the broken. Let's be a people that intercede for justice. But let's be a people that don't stop at prayer. But ask the question as we pray, what can I do about it? How can I give what God's given me to do something about this? Prayer and action go together. They come together as we stand up for God's kingdom to come. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is already in heaven. We're going to pray. And can the worship band come up and join? Lord, as we hear statistics of the amount of people that are struggling, Lord, help us remember that these aren't just numbers. These are real people, their lives, their families, broken, hurting. And Lord, help us to be a people that don't get stuck in the things that we can see. Give us your heart, your empathy for those people. For those that are struggling, those that are oppressed, those who have been silenced, those that are in pain, those who are at war, Lord, will you give us your empathy? Will you break our heart for what breaks yours? Will we be a people that do not feel like there's nothing we can do about it, but instead be a people that go to war in our prayer and action? Lord, will you help show us what we can do in these situations? Will we be a people that are known for prayer and action? Will we be a people that are known for how God has used us to find justice, to seek justice, to campaign for justice? Lord, we don't want to just be a people that get on with everything in our lives so focused on ourselves but a people that are turned outward saying what is going on throughout the world what is going on will we be a people God will you stir us up to be a people that are passionate about justice we're going to sing a song in a moment called God of Justice and as we sing this song I want to invite anyone who has a real heart for this or wants to have a heart, wants to have more of a heart for this. Because you might be like me. You might be someone that really wants to have a heart for all of this, but it almost feels too 
away from our situation that we struggle to find the real empathy. So if that's you, if you've got a real heart for justice or if you want to have more of a heart for justice, as we worship, as we sing God of justice, I want to invite you to come forward and to uh, put out your hands as we sing this song and ask God, will you give me your passion? The bridge in uh, this song says, fill us up and send us out. And I want this to be a bit of a prayer over those people. So we're going to stand. Should we stand if you're able to sing this song? And as we sing this, why don't you come forward if you want God to fill you with this heart for justice? So we're going to sing. Why don't you come forward now if that's you? Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at WhitRiverside.